In the music business, some things don't translate like they do in the business world, like faster and more powerful. It makes sense in a factory making widgets or building a train that can get to a destination, or for that matter, a plane or a rocket. Faster and louder doesn't automatically mean better in a symphonic setting or a classical music concert. There's the right dynamic and the right tempo. Getting to it is work, but it's not a continuous business plan to get faster and louder. So here, stop the presses. An orchestra is not a factory. Outsourcing is another one. How do you hire a remote orchestra, one that will play for less in a community that has an audience? You can't. Outsourcing for an orchestra only works if the orchestra is seasonal, like a summer festival. And even that might be sketchy. It's not the same as hiring a computer hacker from another country because the pay rate is enormously lower than in the United States. The musicians, at least for now, are supposed to be local, at the venue, not remote. We also don't measure productivity in the same way. We don't say, in an orchestra rehearsal, was it louder than yesterday? Or can we perform the same symphony at the same artistic level for less money? Welcome back to Accelerando. I'm Paula Tuttle, and today we're talking about leadership. How can musicians create value beyond the practice room? Okay, so we all went to music school hoping to get an orchestral job. That is, if playing is your passion. Or maybe you want to perform in a chamber group or be a soloist, hoping to avoid the grind, as we say. Playing music should be a passion. But today, we have to do something else because it's available to us. Gone are the days where the conductor made the players quake in their boots. Not only are there safeguards for union musicians, but I'm talking about proper ways to behave in a rehearsal or concert. It's changed a lot over the last century. Musicians are built up more than ever. Players are featured in the programs, and not just the leaders of the sections, but all the players are now portrayed as leaders. And this has been a long time coming. The conductor Toscanini, he was a tyrant. He fired musicians on the spot and, even worse, ridiculed them in rehearsals in front of their peers. And this kind of behavior is considered unfair in today's orchestras. But how did he get to the point where he was able to diminish his underlings to that degree? I guess the answer lies in the world he lived in. Toscanini made his debut conducting. It was sort of a fluke. He had a photographic or eidetic memory. 
He was a cellist slash assistant chorus master at an opera company that was touring Brazil. Well, one evening, the local conductor backed out, and a few hours later, Arturo Toscanini took up the baton. He'd never conducted before, but he conducted the two-and-a-half-hour opera Aida from memory, only having looked at the score once. This is the story of a legend. Few people have witnessed that kind of instant success, but I think a lot of people think this happens all the time, and it doesn't. If you go on The Voice or America's Got Talent, you get lucky, yes, but it's only after a lot of work. So Toscanini was a type of maestro from an era, the same era that was industrial, where lots of people expected themselves to be treated like a cog or something replaceable, fungible. The way people were treated in factories was not that different from the way people were treated in orchestras. So fast forward 75 years and the world has changed and business has changed too. The way we treat our employees is humane. Hiring is equal because women have jobs men could only have had at one time. Inclusion is required. Bosses are held to higher standards. There's Title IX, Me Too, and a myriad of rules to protect the basic dignity of the workforce. It's a totally different workplace, whether you work for Sheets, a convenience store here in Pennsylvania, or a regional orchestra. The workplaces have evolved, and hopefully we have too. I mean to get back to this idea of leadership. You can have a cushy job in an orchestra 52 weeks a year, but there's also an understanding we serve the needs of our community. I think classical musicians have always been mentors because teaching lessons goes hand in hand with our careers passing on a legacy, also something musicians have always embraced. But added to that, we do outreach and sometimes free concerts. In January, I played a concert for the Chatham University Music Department. It's one of the places I teach. The department does a series called Music for Food, and the free will donations go to the Pittsburgh Food Bank. It's one way musicians can lead, play for a cause, there's something much more important I need to speak to you about, and that is happening in Australia right here. It's an apocalyptic, absolute disaster. You should all be in awe of the work that the firefighters are doing. In the face of seven years of drought here, there are people out there who've lost their lives trying to save homes. There are people who've lost their lives and their homes. And last year's the plight of the animals and loss of their habitat that frankly is on a biblical scale and heartbreaking. Therefore, tonight, I will be pledging $1 million. There are lots of ways to lead, but I don't want you to play for free or worse, race to the bottom by playing for less and less. If you do that, you're acting like the old industrial era. You're going back a few decades. We lead by making a great website or finding a niche and then finding the people that want to hear your music. Maybe creating a nonprofit or a for-profit company that does a certain kind of music. Making videos and media. You connect with your audiences, grow your fan base. You dig deep to find places to play and ways to fund concerts. Value and productivity today 
aren't measured the way Carnegie and Frick ran the steel industry. Productivity back in the steel mills was, well, you know, more money, more profit, no concern for environment, the workers were abused, and schools were places to prepare a workforce. Yes, they were also philanthropists. They gave us museums and schools like Carnegie Mellon University. But even if you look at that university, it was originally a technical school, a place men learned to be engineers, architects, and electricians. The fine arts school was something the architect Hornbossel wanted. Carnegie didn't even want art or music departments. So Hornbossel said it was a school of design, and Carnegie agreed to it. Hornbossel ended up putting most of his artistic effort into the Beaux-Arts style of that building. It sits a little higher than the other original buildings, and in a way, the architect misled Carnegie. The building called Margaret Morrison, the building dedicated to women, was named after his mother. It trained women in trades like costume making, interior decorating, and the like. The department actually became a forerunner of the feminist movement. The university now has a world-class drama department and well-known art, music, and architecture departments. I submit the CMU is way more evolved than Carnegie's original vision. Carnegie was a philanthropist, but he wasn't a leader by today's standards. Because today, personal interactions and empathy are required in today's leaders. And it just wasn't part of his world. The key to modern-day marketing lies in emotional labor. And fortunately, this is something we musicians have known about since our first junior high school concert. You bring a look, an attitude, and a presence. You were enrolled, committed, and invested. Today, those are key attributes people seek in their employees, and even symphony orchestras. They know their organization will make a difference with players that bring leadership to the workplace. And how do we do that? It's as simple as this. Stop merely doing your job and start leading instead. A simple example? Last night, I received music for a concert in an email. And nowadays, actually, in the last few years, it's normal to receive the concert music in an email. The player has to choose to read it on a device or print it. The music was mostly well copied, but one piece was in a format different from the rest. The pages were uneven, and I didn't know if I could even practice it comfortably. Usually, musicians, myself included, were prone to complaining about parts that are illegible or poorly copied. So, I made a decision. I did the painful task of importing it into Photoshop and making the pages conform. I sized them and made a 10-page document that was worthy of performing off of. Note these parts were only intended for practice, and hard copies would be available at the first rehearsal. And I get it. Nowadays, the cost of mailing music is expensive. And personally, I don't like mailing parts because things just get lost. So the end of my tale. After fixing the document, I emailed it back to the librarian, and I said, I fixed this meaning it was now in a format like the other two, which were easy to import to Fourscore on my iPad. And you can share it with the other cellists if you wish, I said. So there's today's story about leading. What will you do? 
We live in a world and a workplace where we're dynamic members. And we can be much more in an orchestra today than our parents or teachers could ever have been. If we're to demand respect and dignity, we would better serve ourselves by bringing conditions for change and possibility. We are the status quo. So a reminder, if you're looking for a performance idea, you could take part in Bach in the Subways. It's a little over a month away, and you can register a performance on their website. In case you haven't heard of it, Bach in the Subways celebrates Bach's 339th birthday from March 21st to March 31st. Because the calendars changed after his birth, the event includes both birth dates and every day in between. It also celebrates the spontaneous performances that have been done in the subways and everywhere else. The idea is to play Bach for free in public spaces. This is a worldwide event. If you do register a concert and you need to update the information, all of that can be done on the website. I'll include a link in the show notes. That's it for this week. Please share this episode and keep supporting live music. It's the best, and the people who make it, they need us.